Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Legend Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift, the online cycling platform that makes training fun here with Benji as always for stage of the year. The fourth sprint stage is had a dam under construction, reconstruction, Benji. Like, what have I got to get do to get a had a dam in this UAE tour? Anyway, <laughs> Expo 2020 Dubai starts there, finishes there. They go around the Atlantis, Palm Jumeirah stuff, 180Ks. And it was just one sprint stage too far, I think, for the audience and for the riders themselves. A break went with three Gazprom riders. Uh, Strakov in there, who looks very strong at the moment, as well as Kochekov and Vacek, Czech rider, young Czech rider. And it also had Paul Lapira, young, talented Asia Tour rider, and Alessandro Tonelli of uh, Bardiani. So, sorry, that's five riders, but there might have been six initially. So, from their number one, Benji, in the Tour de France, do we ever see a break of five or six with three riders of the same team? Never, right? No, but we've seen it this entire way. It where Gazprom's in the breakaway with multiple riders. It's their strategy. It's their way to try and make sure they get that black jersey, which is the jersey you get by winning intermediate sprints. Strakov is wearing that jersey at the moment in this stage. And to be fairly honest, with three riders in the breakaway, good luck for another team to beat that because the other riders were not in the break the entirety of the last few stages. I heard a stat this morning where when the stage started, Strakov had been in the break for 57% of the entire UAE tour before today. Wow. That is insane. And today he added on to that by being the break the entire stage again. So... Matthias Varchek, if you don't know, he actually was a talented time trialist in 2020. He won the European Conti Championships in the TT. He was okay last year in his first year. I think he's world tour level uh, eventually, but he's only 19 years old. So expect him expect him to step up at some point. But back in the peloton, break was at, the gap was five minutes, then it was three minutes, and then with over 100 Ks to go, it was at like 130. So... All under control, all looking good. Alperson offered a rider, Quickstep offered a rider, and then it went into a holding pattern where the break's at 120. Because the team has three riders in the break, they will just go full gas. And I know they also got Lapera and Tonelli to work with them as well <laughs> a lot of the time, but they'll ride almost a TTT. And it never seemed to break out of that holding pattern. We, but still, 17 Ks to go. The break is at 1 minute 10. 1 minute 10, 17 Ks to go. That's pretty handy. Sorry, but the gap was also at 1 minute with 50 K to go. It was also at 1 minute with 60 K to go. They kept that in that holding pattern for way too long and they never got out of it. Yeah, but I think still with 17, 110, that's that's fine. That's where you're like, paper. okay, let's let's catch it now. Let's let's go and catch it. 
And Quickstep and Alperson only offered one rider. I think it was Vivarka. And Alperson stopped sending a rider forward after 17Ks to go. And Bike Exchange DSM didn't send anyone forward. FDJ didn't send anyone forward. Ineos, you've got Viviani here, who looks like the seventh best sprinter. And they've got GC ambitions with Adam Yates. Started pacing, but the gap started going up. Strakov is ripping it in the break. 10Ks to go is 123 I think with about 5Ks to go, the gap was still at over a minute. And at that point, it's gone. You're not bringing back 12 seconds per kilometer on three guys working together on the flat uh, in into this finish. And so the breakaway was going to win. And Cliff notes, I think Kochekov let it out. Varchek and Strakov basically sat at the back of the group Lepera and Tonelli were two and three. Varchek opened up his sprint, destroyed everyone. And I thought he was going to lead out Strakov because Strakov's the points guy. And But they did the one D. They sprinted with both riders. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's indeed for what you said. I think it's because Strakov has that black jersey, which is the points jersey for the intermediate sprints, but those intermediate sprints also gave him actual points for the points classification. So I think they knew that Vacek was the fastest sprinter of the two. But they wanted to make sure to also sprint with the other guy to make get as many points as possible. That's at least my take on it. I think so, yeah. And anyway, Varchek won by over a bike length, so that that was correct. Uh, how they were thinking about it, beating Lapira, Strykov third, and Tonelli Kochekov fourth and fifth, back in the bunch, only fifteen seconds behind. Only fifteen seconds behind. The Peloton made it. Everyone's still sprinting, by the way, which Cavendish didn't because Cavendish is smart and he's crashed a few times. <laughs> so why, why am I going to sprint for sixth place in UAE Tour if we've not bothered to send riders? It, if it means so much that you're going to risk crashing or whatever, then pace. Um, so I'm with Cav on how he approached this. The only rider that should sprint in this situation is Philipson because he started today's yes. stage. After stage five, he was in the points classification on 71 points. Strakov in the breakaway today was on 41 points, 30 points behind. Now, today in the breakaway, Strakov took intermediate sprint points, which I think is eight per intermediate sprint, if I recall correctly. He took some there and he was also sprinting at the end in the breakaway, which means that he would get very close to Philipson. If Strakov had won today's stage, he'd take the jersey away from Philipson. And his position right now allowed him to get very close to Philipson. So Philipson had to sprint, otherwise the jersey was gone. So by not pacing the breakaway down, Alperson has got a competitor for the points jersey, which might come into play tomorrow. We know that it's Jabel Hafiz, which is a climbing finish, but there's two intermediate sprints in there, one roughly one third into the stage, one just before the final climb. If each of those give eight points, if Strakov is in the breakaway, Strakov takes the first one, for example, gets eight points. Alperson will need to chase and make sure if they care about the points jersey, that's an if that exists. If they care about the points jersey, they need to pace down the breakaway and Philipson needs to win the second intermediate sprint. Otherwise, he loses the points jersey, all because today he couldn't. Uh, they couldn't be bothered to chase the breakaway. Ah. Uh... I don't know. I, I, I don't blame Alperson for how this stage played out. Maybe they shouldn't have had three Gazprom guys with Strakov in the break initially, but 
I don't think Philipson really cares about the points jersey. Like, it's I do blame them. Not about the points jersey. They've got the most consistent sprinter in this race at a dote pace in a stage that could lead them to another victory. They're so far ahead of the points classification that if Strakov is caught, their closest competitor before the stage, that he wouldn't have gotten endangered in this stage anyway, unless he got zero points, Philipson. I don't care. So I blame them for not giving a shit about a victory. I mean, this is a team that won one sprint in the tour with Merlier and then decided to do a participation trophy with Philipson for the rest of the Tour de France or the rest of the first week. So like... I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying, Benji, and I agree. Like, I'd be like, no, no, just because we've won two doesn't mean we don't try for the third. Uh, but how did they win those first two? It was doing the same strategy. It was making the other lead-out trains work. And we were saying, when is another team going to call their bluff? And today it happened. But for Alpes and Benji, they're like, well, we've already won two stages. Phil Simple, like, guys... I don't really care. Like, I've won to. That's how they probably think about it. And the success of their train coming up late is about conserving their riders in the last 10 kilometers. Uh, so I think I want to make yourself a coffee, Benji. I want to go off on Lantern Rouge in 2021. He said Tim DeClerc is overrated. I'd like to formally retract that statement. Because if Tim DeClerc is here today, what we saw wouldn't have happened. Uh, and then we probably wouldn't have had a Gazprom rider winning a stage in UAE Tour, which not a great look for cycling probably. But with the clerk here, he doesn't let three of one team in the break. He doesn't let Strykov in the break. He probably manages the break earlier, so it's down to 30 with 10Ks to go. And, yeah, so I'd like to say, Tim DeClerc, it's, it's not as easy as he makes it look because – Bike Exchange and FTJ are the teams I think are at fault here, Benji, because they haven't won anything. Groenewegen looks so fast. He came second in the group sprint behind. They've got a train of seven riders, which they don't need seven riders to do a lead out, and they didn't offer anyone to pace in the last 15 kilometres. And there's Patrick Conrad on the front pulling his 65 kilograms against three Gazprom guys, and the break's going, the gap's going up. So why aren't Bike Exchange and FDJ, if you want to get something out of UA Tour, you chase. So I blame them. I blame them as well, but I think the strategy they were using is the one that we proposed against Cavendish in the Tour de France, where we said if there is a very impressive sprinter in another team and they are the most prominent team in the race to take the victory at the end, like Alpecin in this race, then... You should let them do the work first and try and melt them first to make sure you are stronger at the end. But like you said, Bike Exchange has too many riders for the train anyway, so they can afford to spend the rider there. And next to that, I'd argue that Philipson is not as impressive in this race, despite being impressive, as Cavendish was in the Tour de France because Merkel was also very strong in that combination, was lethal in the Tour de France last year. So I think that reasoning exists probably in their mind, but shouldn't have today. But this isn't the race to call Alperson's bluff because of what's just happened. They've won two stages. It's UAE Tour. If they were winless and it was a Tour de France first week, okay, call their bluff and they'll probably send someone to pace and chase aggressively. But as I said, you shouldn't have been surprised that Alperson were happy sitting on house money today. And also they were probably thinking, screw you guys. 
they had a guy, they kept the break at 110 with Quickstep, with Viveka, at 17Ks to go. It's there. The stage is there if the other sprint teams want it, and they didn't. So Alpacent are like, we're not screwing up our own trains. So anyway, it will be interesting to see if Philipson tries to get in the breakaway tomorrow with Strykov. That could be pretty, pretty interesting. Uh, and if he does, then I guess Alpacen do indeed care about the points jersey. But before we get into uh, a little on-loop preview, I'll talk about our show partner, Zwift. The UCI Esports Worlds take place tomorrow in Zwift's futuristic take on New York. The race is straight after on-loop on Zwift's YouTube channel. The Glass Road KOM will likely be the decisive point in the race, but it's not all about the fantasy riding destinations on Zwift. I've been enjoying riding in the Richmond course where Peter Sagan won back in 2015, I think, UCI World Championships. To check it out for yourself, head to Zwift.com in the link down below for your free seven-day trial. Before I'm Luke Preview, tomorrow's stage, Jabal Hafid, uh, it's... A Uni Puerto flat stage beforehand, then 10.9Ks at 6.8%. What do you think happens, Benji? Ooh, I think we see a... Uh, I'm going to go with a hot take. I think Adam Yates drops Pogacar tomorrow on Jabel Hafid. And... Expected. Do you? Yeah. Okay. If Pogacar <laughs> slaps everybody tomorrow, this is going to look bad, but... Pogacar gaps Yates, I'll be flabbergasted. <laughs> no, me too to be honest because like i'm not going to lie we've we've seen pogacar suffering a few occasions the last year and a half and while he did win on jabel jaiz that is not a climb like jabel afid and it didn't look like the most comfortable person in the world while trying to follow the attacks of jan hid and so forth on that climb so i'm feeling that if on the steepest sections of jabel afid we see moves by yates or jan hit again with a, a wonder day uh, because he seems to be getting a consistent one uh, the last few weeks in the mountains. Well, then it's possible that Pogacar drops, surprisingly. Do you think that on Jabal Hafid, the team based around Pogacar will be able to keep attacks from hindering him? No. Nah. Mike and, well, we'll see what they do. I mean, maybe Mike have registered them. <laughs> what use is that? Uh, Bennett and Almeida... It's it's a small gap. If if it was thirty seconds like last year to Yates, then yeah. But it's a small gap, and you have got bonus seconds at the finish. I think Jan Hit wins the stage. He forms an alliance with Adam Yates, works with him, and uh, they beat Pagacha. Well, Hit takes the stage. He moves up. He's so far back on GC. He's probably going to move into the top five tomorrow. I'd say, and. Um, Pagacha loses GC to Yates. I think Intermarche are going to light it up with Taramai. Uh, and I can't wait to watch. Who do you who do you think's a sneaky top five for tomorrow? I think Jan Hirt's actually won based on the recent weeks. Like, you were hyped about him after every stage he did well in. But I was kind of the guy that was saying, nah, this is probably <laughs> a one-time thing. And then he did it again. So at this point, I'm on the Hirt uh, train as well, to be honest. So I feel like that's a... Uh, a thing that might happen when it comes to the rest of the top five oof, on these steeper climbs. It's a a really intriguing question, isn't it? Indeed. It's actually not that high up in GC. 17th on 58 seconds because of the TT as well. So that's a bit of a bummer on his end. Nah, it's fine. He's going to come top five in GC. He's going to put like 30 seconds into everybody tomorrow. 
um, like all the other guys apart from the top guys. I yeah. think I think it's going to come top four on the stage at worst. What about Vlasov and Hindley? Bora kind of got guys close, Benji. Do they attack early with Hindley and try and put pressure on Pogacar or do they pace with Hindley? I think they should attack with him. I think they should attack as well with him to try and pressure uh, UAE into pacing behind uh, Hindley in that sense. Or, like you mentioned, Micah might jump towards no, Hindley that's what I and think sit on his wheel until the line. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, like, if Micah drops Hindley, then you only need nine seconds to win GC. So that might also backfire if Micah's yeah. in a good day tomorrow. But on the other hand, like, uh, I think Nelson Paulus is someone that is kind of... Uh, under the radar of some people, but has been riding quite well in this race as well. Now fifth on 25 seconds. And if he can do that on the climb tomorrow as well, then he can keep that top five for GC as well, you know. What do you expect of Almeida? Uh, I think he'll be pacing for Bobby on the climb. And I think Micah will be the more aggressive guy. Uh, That's what I expect from... But yeah, tomorrow's probably the best, hopefully the best stage of the entire race and will decide the general classification. It's on at the same time as Omloop Het Nersblad, which is on a Saturday. It's like kind of like a, well, it's opening weekend, I guess, Conus on the Sunday. But the World Tour one, Omloop's on Saturday. Big, big favorite. Wout van Aert. There's Colbrelli here, Moritz Sturven, Asgren, Lutschenko, Kuhn, Trentin, Ethan Hayter, and Peter Sagan. It's a watered down course, I would say. And yep. yeah, who have you got, Benji? I think, I think the clear. Tension will be Bahrain and Quickstep want to make it a harder race, want to get create smaller groups, and then there's teams most notably Jumbo Visma uh, and Cofidis who want it to be a sprint. Is that how you see it? Yeah, in the media, I've seen a lot of stuff by Quickstep saying, "Oh, we're not, we're not the team to look for. You should look at Jumbo Visma. Jumbo Visma, the the." I think Lampard even said, oh, Jumbo, uh, I heard from some people at Jumbo that they said they were the strongest team now. I don't know where they, he heard that or something, but, <laughs> and he said about it like, uh, oh, we're, we're, well, let's see, let's see that this weekend or something. I, I saw a quote li- like that. It could just be a title of an article that's completely out of context. So keep that in mind. But I'm just curious what that's going to do that dynamic because like Jumbo is indeed a different team at the start line than Quickstep. And with Ballerini not being at the start line, I'm curious what the strategy of Quickstep on this specific parkour is going to be. I know. And I'm also intrigued by, like, outsiders. We've seen Amori Capio do well in Marseille. He's pretty versatile. He can get all these climbs. The guy could get a top five in a race like this, to be honest. I'm curious what Peter Sagan's form is going to be like, because he didn't look that amazing, was it, in Maritime Duvar when it comes to his versatility over climbs? Is he going to be able to get over these? We don't have a Molenberg, so... Is that going to be a selective parkour in that sense? It's all a, a question to be happening. One thing I'm looking forward to in this race, though, is that the fact that the Molenberg is gone means that we don't have that incident we talked about almost the entire bloody Omelope podcast last year where the race opened up on that Omelope, where you had that corner onto on that uh, Molenberg, where you had that corner where half of the riders took a shortcut around the, the light pole or something. So that's one benefit we won't have. We won't have to complain about something like that, hopefully, in this race. Yeah, I think, as 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 you've said, it's a bit of a watered-down parkour, and it looks, I think it will probably be a sprint. Christoph is in decent form for Intermarché. They have a strong team around him with Petit Pasquillon de Gent, Amy de Gent, Kleis, Bistrom, Fliegen. Trek, look out for Darnoul. 
He was very strong in Algarve. Look out for Dan Hull. They also have their new recruit, Marcus Hulgard, who was on Uno X. Uh, whether they go, he's going to be their Pedersen, whether Sturvin and Turns and Kirsch lead him out in this finish. But- I do want to talk about Corvi, who did well at, was it Andalusia last week, also at the start line. I don't think he has a sprint for it. Gavidia's in this race. I don't know if he's going to get over all these cobble sections, to be honest. But I'm looking at the legend himself at Movistar, Alex Aramburu, fifth last year at Omelope Nisblad, probably gets was a top he? 10 once again. <laughs> yeah, he was top five at, at Omelope last year. So was Heinrich Hauser, by the way. So write him down. <laughs> <laughs> but now they have Colbrelli, so I don't see that happening personally. I'm curious what Ineos is going to do here with Pitcock and Hater, because that squad is actually one of the strongest squads here, I would dare to say. Turner, Sheffield, Sheffield. Narvaez was also good in one of these uh, last, uh, was it two years ago in the Cobble E3. races? Where he... E3 last year. Oh, okay. Yeah, I remember that. But uh, the weakest team here is arguably Bike Exchange. Have you seen that squad? Craddock, Durbridge, Konichev, Maas, and Smith. Jesus. Jesus Christ! And uh, COVID, it's yeah, COVID sort of yeah, wrecking true. these teams. Does Aramburu lead out Garcia Cortina, Benji? How or dare you suggest that, mate? I think they both sprint. Here. I think they both sprint if they make it, and yeah. they should for Str- points. Gazprom style, like today, <laughs> it's Marche style. Uh, Deng Cobb also not maybe his debut. Yeah, his debut back at DSM at Omloop. What form he'll be in, we don't know. They've also got Erhoff, Sir and Cry Anderson there. Cry Anderson sort of warmed up at uh, Tour of Oman. Israel have a strong all-around squad. Simon Clark's been looking very good. Michael Volgren, former winners here. Yep. Who knows what form and he'll news. be in. Nibali was planning to ride Omloop in his blood, and then really? uh, he had a COVID positive, and then he had two negatives, but then yesterday or something tested positive again. So Jesus. probably the other two were incorrect tests, or that one was incorrect, but in the end, he can't raise this race based on what I read. So uh, that's an unfortunate thing. Moscon is the clear leader in that squad. Lutsenko's in there as well. Here's what he's going to do, but do you think Moscon's the man after he attacked, I think, last year on the mood in that race? But uh, I'm also curious about Kokar, because that's actually a dude that can sprint pretty fast at the end of races, as we've seen, and could perhaps be also one of the riders, if it comes down to a sprint in a reduced group, to actually do something here. He's quite punchy as well. He's gotten a top five in Amstel at some point in his career. We've seen him go up hills this year and win sprints up hills and so forth. Lotto's here with Campanard's and Bear, and a whole squad of riders that could end up in top 20s of races like this. If you come down to a sprint and you've got the best Angel Bear in the final group, who are the two sprinting? The best. Okay. But Vermeer really should be making it around this course. I mean, it's not yeah. that hard. Uh, my top three is Van Aert, Cockard, Turgis, with Timmy du- Timothy Dupont from Bingo as a bit of a wild card. But yeah, I think Van Aert. Oh, Christoffel top five too. But I think Van Aert wins. What about you? I've got a clear top five of riders that are definitely going to do exactly how I am going to uh, say uh, this right now. I think the first rider will be Aramburu. The second will be Hausler. <laughs> the third rider will be Kovi. The fourth rider will be, um, Jesus Christ, do I have anybody else that's a meme in this race? Um, Luca Mozzato. <laughs> <laughs> Anna Marit. Anna Marit, Benji. What, sorry? Anna Marit on Sports London by Wazi. He's actually that. But is he versatile enough to get over it? That's my question with him. Like, Turgi is a rider I do want to mention because Maritime yeah. Duvar, first 
sprint stage. Uh, he got over that and was able to sprint against uh, the riders solidly. Uh, and my fifth rider will be... Oh, God. Rasmus Dimitri Grushdev. Because why not? Grushdev, Jesus, on Astana. <laughs> if um, this top five makes it, Jesus. Uh, sorry, but... <laughs> That's the whole Peloton will be, will be there. <laughs> um, yeah, I think there's a lot of guys who are just not that fast, but are also... If they have an unbelievable day like Terji, Rasmus Tiller, Hulgard, etc., you know, could cause an upset. So looking forward to it. Got Kerner on the Sunday as well, uh, but we're not prepared enough to do a preview for that. So stay tuned for our Omloop recap tomorrow. I don't have video rights for either of the two opening weekend races, so it'll be podcast only. Hope to see you then. Ciao. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.